0: listening to the Coaching Matrix private podcast with Amber Smith. you guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to share a section from the pro coach program about boundaries and client containers. I think this is a relevant conversation, no matter what level you're at, whether you're doing one-on-one coaching, whether you're starting to scale or whether you're just trying to get your first client, it helps to know what kind of boundaries you need, what goes into a container versus like a group program versus a mastermind versus a masterclass. We talk about all of it and I think you'll get a lot out of it no matter where you're at. So enjoy. Okay, we're talking about boundaries and coaching containers, and I put these two together because they play into each other big time. And what I mean by coaching containers—some people like that word, some people don't—I'm using it because most people know what it means. Like a one-on-one coaching container, a mastermind group programs, masterclasses—those are going to be the ones that I cover today. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit content. And the reason that I think they go hand in hand is because your proximity, like the proximity you give your clients, the amount of time and effort, the relationship you have, a lot of the way that you're going to deliver your offers, the actual work with your clients comes down to boundaries. And so I think this is a really important conversation um, to talk about, to revisit, to think through. And I hope that you're Ready for it because I have a lot to say about boundaries. Partially because I sucked at boundaries <laughs> early in my business and early in my life, like as a teenager, at jobs I would just like give and give and give. And I think um, coaches, especially, have this—I'm going to call it a weakness—this weakness of overgiving without boundaries or just a lack of boundaries because we want to help, but sometimes it can show up as wanting people to say yes and bending our boundaries in hopes that they're gonna come and work with us. And we're gonna talk about all of those things. Um, I'm gonna start this off with kind of like a punch in the gut, right? People need water and food and air. People do not need you. And the book I'm gonna refer to is Codependent No More today this was the first self-help book I read, you guys. (laughs) My boss, really like my first coach, I would call her now in my life. um, I worked at a residential treatment center for struggling teenagers. I've talked about that before. She was the one that was like, hey, has anyone ever told you you're codependent? And I was like, what are you talking about? No. And so she had me read this book for my job and it blew my mind about my need to be needed by people that showed up in my relationships with my friends. It showed up with who I was working with. And one of the things I want to share with you is it will choke you out in your business. It's, there is not a good place to have codependency in a coaching business because it's going to be toxic for you as the coach. And it actually keeps your clients sick because you want them to need you. I think one of the beautiful things about coaching is one of the, like, I really believe this is our clients don't need us, right? They want to be in our world because they want something better, they don't need us. They need food. They need air, right? They do not need another human. And we're, this isn't about relationships. If you're in the coaching matrix, we are going to be talking about relationships in let's see, April, May, we're going to be talking about relationships and it shows up in really like your personal relationships. And today we're going to be talking about clients particularly. Like, I think this is really important to understand because when you see that your clients don't need you, one, you're going to be able to sell from a place of power. You're going to be able to deliver coaching from a place of power and see other people in their power um, to opt into your containers. Sorry, I'm letting people in um, to say yes to the offers you're making. But this is like an essential building block is that people do not need you. In fact, some of the coaching I, I do for um, my private clients is also working on Like your kids don't need you. Your partner doesn't need you. Your friends don't need you. Sometimes it feels like that. And then when we have that belief that people need us, that our clients need us, we're going to be glued to our phone. We're going to make it mean something really bad if they don't get the results they want or something wrong happens in their life. Um, Coaching is an opportunity. It's a, a space for clients to rise and to create the results that they want, but not because they need you. It's an opportunity for them to get support, to get coaching, to see their mind, however you want to phrase coaching, but it's not because they need us. Boundaries are a gift you give yourself and the ripple effect deeply serves everyone in your sphere of influence. I really, really believe this. Boundaries are for us first. In fact, I'm going to share with you Um, one of my coaches. Her name is Melanie Lair. I've mentioned her, Alpha Femme is her company. And she has this saying that she says a lot and it's for me, for you, for us. And this to me, is the order of boundaries, right? For me first, boundaries are for us as the coach first and the ripple effect in my own life, right? The reason that I set boundaries is for myself, for my marriage, for my kids, for my loved ones, for my house, for my time, for my mental health, like all these things. When I make decisions for my business or for relationships in business, it's for me first. And then it's for my client. And then it's for the collective, right? My audience, the rest of my clients, whatever. And we're gonna talk about this order and how important it is. Um, But I first want to, like this is, um, I actually learned this in therapy, just like a therapist that I had worked with at that treatment center earlier. Like boundaries is like people coming into your house. And we have metaphors running in our minds, right? Like these images. And I want you to imagine what your boundaries are like as if you were a house. Do you have a fence up? Do you have a gate code? (laughs) Do you have a key under the mat? for people to come in or is the door always open? Can people just come and go whenever they want? And do you like your metaphor for your boundaries? So when I think about my boundaries, like I, my clients have like a passcode, right? Like I give them a passcode and I say, you can come in my house between nine and five. Please let me know you're coming. I'll be there. I'll serve you lunch. We'll have a great time. And then it's time to go, right? They can't just hang out in my house all the time. Um, when I was a new coach, I wanted everyone in my house because I wanted to help everyone. And I didn't give them a plan for when they needed to leave. I didn't tell them what I expected of them and they could just like come and go. And what that meant for me was I was like, ho- like metaphorically and emotionally holding a lot of people all the time because they were always in my house, paying clients were in my house social media followers are in my house. My friends are on my house in my house because I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have a fence. I didn't have a passcode. I didn't have a, like a, I haven't articulated the plan for our relationship when it's okay, when I'm available. And what it did is it burned me out. And if you've ever experienced burnout, it's probably because you didn't have proper boundaries in place with your time and energy. We're going to talk about all of those things. I want you to be thinking of your business like this metaphor, this house because the people who come into your house, which is opting into a container with you, you can serve them so powerfully when you've communicated what to expect and how to get the most out of their relationship with you. You can have free time. You can enjoy your life. You don't always have to be glued to your phone or to Voxer or to email or to social media because you know where your best energy is spent. You know what to expect. You know when it's time to work, when it's time to not. And so, like I said, For us first, we set boundaries. We're going to jump into containers. We're going to revisit boundaries, but I wanted to kind of get your wheels turning um, on the house metaphor because I'm going to refer to it. One-on-one coaching is the first container I'm going to talk about because that's mostly what I think you guys are selling is one-on-one coaching. The benefits are that they get close proximity to you, right? Like they get direct access to your brain, to your energy, to your mind, to your experience, they get extremely personalized information, which is amazing for our clients, right? Like they get, like if all the knowledge that you have, you can kind of sort like a library, pull the most relevant and give it to them. It's a it's a really cool relationship. They get context of familiarity, which um, to me, like this was huge for me and why I keep resigning with my coach is because she knows my history, right? And sometimes if you're working with clients for a long time, they've built a relationship with you and that's valuable. Um, and it's fulfilling and rewarding for you because they, they share their wins. You get to see their progress. It's very, like, you're very involved. Those are the benefits. I'm going to talk about the warnings, some stuff to watch out for. It can take a lot of your time away, especially if you're offering support between calls. If you don't have boundaries for your Voxer or your email or texting or however you're like in a relationship with your one-on-one clients, it can really mess up your personal life, if you're always on your phone, or if you always feel like you're attached to um, your messaging app or whatever you're using, it can take a lot of your personal time if you don't have boundaries. So what are your boundaries? For me, I have times that I respond and times that I don't. I really try to stay away from Vox or even social media on the weekends. Um, sometimes I'm in there, but for the most part, I tell my clients, like, don't expect a response from me Saturday through Sunday. And if I'm in there, extra surprise right um and i like for me i also don't like rules like i have a, i break my own rules <laughs> i don't know if you guys are like this like from nine to five only i use that as more of like a guideline and then i ask myself if i am wanting to go in and check it's like why do i want to check because i know my codependent nature right like is it because i feel like my clients aren't okay That's not showing, I don't like, that's showing me that I need to work on my belief that they're okay and that they can do this, right? It's always almost like a game of self-coaching. And when you feel the need to check in, if you feel the need to like be there all the time, we can clean that up with like, I believe my clients in my, in my client's power. I believe they can do this. They do not need me. I'm a, I can facilitate, I can coach, I can show them the way, but they don't need me. And that will help you see like, okay, like I can relax. I can go enjoy my life. I don't have to be glued to my phone. Um, the other thing that's just part of the re- nature of the relationship is that you can become codependent because you're so close and because it's so intimate, right? Especially if you've worked with clients through some intense stuff, like personal stuff, it can feel like, okay, like they shared, they only shared this stuff with me. That's like a really like a red flag. Like If you feel like that, that like, <gasps> but almost that high of like, they haven't told anyone, right? I would be really onto yourself about any codependency that's slipping, slipping in to that relationship. Because I used to, like, I'm, and I'm speaking, like I said, from experience, <laughs> like I used to feel that way. Like, oh, they shared it with me and no one else. Oh, like I'm special, right? Like there's something about that that creates this like, um, this web of codependency so that they need to tell you and you need them to tell you. And that's, that's dangerous because you're going to miss opportunities to coach them powerfully. It's also going to interrupt your personal life, which I, that's as your coach and mentor, that's what I care about. I want you to have an amazing life and amazing relationships. Um, And then the friend versus client versus potential client. I want to speak to those three things. So we're friendly with our clients. We're nice to our clients. We do a lot of things that friends do. We listen to them. We are there for them. (laughs) We support them, right? the way that I want to draw that line is like my clients get my calendar on like their, their terms, right. They get to book, we meet, I'm focused on them for an hour. My friends don't. Right. And so I want you to consider like, even though we're friendly, your clients get a different version of you. And so as you're thinking through like that house metaphor, what's the difference between how your friends enter your house and how your clients enter your house? What's the difference between a potential client entering your house versus a paying client? And this is something that I think gets a little tricky because we want to serve ahead of time. We want to develop a relationship ahead of time. And I know that I had the same question. So when I was first getting started, I was like, how much time do I spend in the DMs with someone before I'm like, hey, I can't do this. (laughs) You're not my paying client. And what I what like my little rule of thumb is if there's a chance to invite them to a consultation where you can serve them better, invite them to a real call or just say, you know, just check yourself if you're having an open-ended relationship in the DMs and there's no invitation to work with you, there's no clear like boundary where you're like, this is something that I would work on with a client. If you're interested in chatting about how to work with me, I love to chat more about my offers. There has to be this line. That you know, you've crossed. I, I'm like, and I'm like I said, I'm speaking from. Unfortunately, some mistakes. I remember I had a client in my DMs for like six months. This was a few years ago, and she'd ask me questions about my podcast, and she'd ask me questions about her personal life, and I would just answer because I was hoping I had that like, oh, maybe she's going to hire me. Maybe this is going to um, turn into something, you know, turn into like her, her wanting to sign up. And so I just poured and poured and poured in, but I never made a a direct offer. I never made an invitation to have a consultation. I never let her know that she was crossing my boundaries because she wasn't paying me. She wasn't a paying client. And I remember getting coaching on it. and my, My coach was like, see her inner power as like, actually the best way that I can serve her is for her to become a paying client. And so what happened is I cleaned up my boundaries in the DMs and what that looked like for me. You do not have to take these, but I don't give coaching over my DMs with potential clients. I give encouragement. I celebrate. I'm super excited when people share wins with me or when they ask questions, I might direct them to a resource, but it's short and more universal than the personalized coaching I give my one-on-one clients. That's just how I, that's like my house, right? Um, because I want to focus my best energy on my paying clients the way that I also think about it. It's kind of like, like a mantle. If you are familiar with that term, my paying clients get my brain thinking about their business and them outside of our sessions. I don't really think about my potential clients and their problems other than when I'm actually talking to them. That's just a boundary that I've drawn um, because I know the best way I can serve my clients is when they opt in to working with me one on one and the same is true for you guys. The best way you can help your clients is for them to commit to a coaching relationship with you. And so if you're in this gray zone or the friend zone with people in the DMs, look for opportunities to invite them to a consultation or a free call with you. Look for opportunities where you can say, "Hey, I actually think you would we'd be a great fit coaching. Would you be open to chatting about it?" But where you're transitioning from like this Maybe to let's talk about actually working together and leading the conversation in that way, because what you don't want is this like open ended, they always get support from you, but they're not paying you, we want, we want to cut that out. It's important to love and serve and like that's something we've talked about in your marketing and building relationships, but there is a difference between serving with boundaries and serving without boundaries. And so, and I think that's like a gut feeling. If there's anyone coming to your mind right now where you need to clean up the relationship, I hope you do because your coaching is very valuable. Part of our boundaries with this comes from our belief that our coaching is super valuable and you don't just give it to anyone who comes. That will help you be empowered to sell. It will also help you believe in your offers because if someone has to pay to get access to you, you know that your time and energy is super valuable. So my encouragement for you is to like, just notice what's coming to mind. Is there anyone that you need to clean up a relationship with? Is there anyone always in your DMs, but never asking about a consult? (laughs) I wouldn't spend so much personalized attention. You could direct them to resources. You could direct them to your content, which is beautiful. That's what I do. If people have questions, I'm like, you should listen to my podcast or you should read this book, but I don't engage in a coaching conversation with clients who aren't in my actual container. Let's talk about group coaching. Um, one thing that I love about group coaching is that you get more of like the universal principles you get to talk about, it's kind of like a split between coaching and teaching. So you're teaching what, you know, you're sharing from your experience and it saves you time because it's a one-to-many relationship. Um, it's cost-effective for your clients because you can charge lower ticket and still create awesome revenue for you. If you get enough people in, um, like that leveraged idea, and it's a way to impact more people, which I know is important to coaches. Like we're getting the work out there, we're serving more people because one-on-one we're limited to time, with group we're not. We're limited to how well we can market and sell, unless you're selling a, um, something like five spots only or something like that. But if you do an unlimited amount of people, you can just serve and serve and serve more people without spending more time leveraged, which is awesome some warnings and some considerations for boundaries is like, it's hard for me, it was hard to do group before I had a lot of experience. Not that you can't do it. I don't believe in that. I do think you can do group, choose topics that you feel like you've mastered so that you can answer people's questions. Because what's going to happen is when you have a lot of people on a group, you're going to get a range of questions and you just have to feel confident in what you're talking about in your group that you can pretty much answer any question and make it relevant to the whole group. I think that's where people get stuck is like, how can you make it universal for the whole group? Um, This isn't everyone's favorite way to help. And I want to give you permission that you don't have to do group. I know I have clients that only do one-on-one. And so even though we're talking about group, I just wanted to put that out there. You don't have to do group if you don't want to. (laughs) And for a lot of people, that's how they like to scale. I have, obviously I have a group and I think it's super fun, but it's not everyone's preferred. And so I would really ask yourself, like, why do I want to do group? Is it something that I desire to do? Is it like, is it right, the right time? Do I have a topic that I feel like I can deliver an amazing program? Um, And then get started. Like the other thing is I believe in just trial and error. I did my first group. I don't know if I've talked about this. I called it a mastermind, but it was really group coaching. And we're going to talk about the differences. Um, when I first got started, I had a mastermind on, I think it was like DMs in, on Instagram. And I invited like 10 people, two people said yes for $50. <laughs> and I learned so much. And so I I am a huge advocate advocate for trying things and not just, you know, that's not the right way. If you're willing to experience disappointment and frustration and a lot of the negative emotion that comes from trial and error, you will learn so much more doing it than just contemplating it and thinking about it. So if you have any desire to do group, you can try it. Um, The thing about group that I'm going to talk about is like there's less proximity and less personalization than one-on-one. And so you need to really draw out the principles that everyone um, can learn from and apply it to their own life. Like I said, this usually involves 50-50 teaching and coaching. So you're teaching principles, you're teaching concepts, and you're coaching the clients in the group. Okay, the mastermind, it's different than the biggest difference between a group coaching container and a mastermind container is that there's peer coaching. I did not understand this when I first did a mastermind. It was basically group coaching. So I would get on a Zoom call and I they would get coaching for me. But in a true mastermind, there's like a group, um, element where your peers are coaching and it's high level, higher level coaching. And usually this is a more high ticket level, but still leverage. So it's like a higher ticket price, but in a group, there's more coaching than teaching. And it's a tight knit group where they have a focus that's similar to each other. They're either all trying to hit, um, like I'm thinking of masterminds that I know of, like Dean Graziosi had this like hundred K mastermind where they're all trying to scale to a hundred million dollars. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> so they were all focused on that. Right. Or like Stacey Bateman's 200 K masterminds, everyone's trying to hit 200 k Um, I'm trying to think of other masterminds that I know of, like Tony Robbins has a platinum partnership where they're all multimillionaires and they're trying to use each other's resources to make the world better. Like that's like what they do. It's super cool. It's usually longer term. So think six months or a year. Um, and I put this and this is really important to understand. If you're thinking about joining a mastermind or running a mastermind, people are there for the relationships and the connections more than the information. The information is still there. There's still maybe some level of teaching and coaching, but the power of a mastermind is the relationship that you make with your peers. And so, if you ever think about facilitating a mastermind, that's part of the selling point of a mastermind: is that you get connected with people like you. The warnings is it's necessary to have strong boundaries, especially if you have a um, you know where people have access to you, like Voxer, or, or you know you're on group calls or you're in emails with each other. Most people have like a Facebook group or some level of communication that happens between the actual calls. You need to have strong boundaries because with lots of people wanting you, it can be exhausting if you don't have good boundaries. It can also be um, limiting to actually serve the whole group, right, for me, for you, for us in the mastermind. And so part of the group dynamic is like, how can this be relevant and helpful to everyone else in the group too? And this person who's asking me the question, the next thing that I I've had to coach other, cause like some of my clients are in masterminds. I've been in masterminds and I've seen this, like it's, I'm going to call it the sisterhood wound. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. This is how it was described to me, but it's, it's like this, when someone else gets the result that you want and you don't have it yet, and you're triggered that feeling, we have a hard time celebrating other people. And so that can show up in masterminds. If one client's getting these amazing results and this person isn't and she feels triggered. She might need coaching on that. And so it's just a, a extra dynamic that happens. Um, and for a lot of you guys, you're not going to do a mastermind. That's okay. Like you can just, whoop. but it's also good to know if you ever think about doing a mastermind, this is the stuff that happens (laughs) for yourself as a client. Um, and I'm going to, I think there's more of your energy because of that component where you're plugged in between calls and you're, you know, you're, you're hoping and thinking about your clients between calls, there's this more of like this energy pull. I like to think of it, think about, like, if you think about a vacuum that you plug into the wall, right? When I think of my one-on-one clients, I feel like they're directly plugged into me. Same for my mastermind, they're directly plugged into me. Group coaching, I really feel like they're plugged into my thought leadership, my content. And so it's less of an energy drain. That's how I think about it. And so that's just another consideration for you to work through is like, How are you going to manage your energy? How are you going to manage your mind around a group of people? The next thing that might be more relevant for a lot of you guys is having a masterclass or workshop. I'm trying to think of other names, Um, workshop, masterclass, um, webinar, something that's very short term leverage for a group. And so this is a great way for people to get to know you, to build a relationship with you in a paid container. So it's different than just watching you on a live on Instagram, different than just consuming your content on Facebook or even your podcast. Um, And it's focused information. So you're going to be able to pick one topic and talk about it, answer questions, build that relationship, let people get to know your story, what you do. Um, it's a great way also for you to sell your other offers. This is actually a strategy for a lot of people to sell other things is like, I'm going to have this free masterclass. And then at the end of the masterclass, I'm going to pitch my one-on-one. You don't have to wait to have a big audience to do a masterclass. I've been doing these types of things for a long time. I don't like, I just don't subscribe to the idea that you need to have a certain amount of followers or email list people, as long as you're willing to hold the results, no matter what. One of the things that I recommend before you launch anything is that if no one buys, are you going to be okay? If one person comes, are you going to be okay? Because the risk, the the risk <laughs> of a smaller audience is your percentages are just different. The ratio of people who say yes and actually come is different than let's say someone who has a hundred thousand followers launches a webinar, has ten thousand people sign up, five thousand people come, right? 50, 50, or like, I don't even, I don't even think it's 50, 50. I think it's like 25% of the people who register come. So if you have four people register, one person comes, your statistics are great, except it feels different. Are you able to hold it? Are you able to show up? In fact, Tina, you, okay. You were the one that came, I had a master class and Tina was the only one that came on day two. And I was prepared for that mentally. I've done it before. I didn't make it mean anything about me or my content, but you have to be willing to hold that because it it can challenge you to, it can like be tempting to think I'm not doing this right. My stuff isn't good. Um, I'm not a good marketer or whatever. We have to be very clear. Like the results don't mean anything except for what you want it to mean. So that's my one caveat. If you're going to do masterclasses with a smaller audience is like your numbers are going to be smaller and that's um, like for me, I love having smaller numbers. I actually get to talk to you guys. I've I've done the work to like really believe in it. I recommend that you do that same thing. Like, why is it great that you have a small audience? Why is it great that only a handful of people are going to come? Because that can really set you free to like embrace the, the middle where you're trying to get to where you want to go, <laughs> but you're not quite there yet. Right. And you can experience it and love it and learn from it and then use the wisdom to grow. Um, I think it's a great way for you to practice your thought leadership and leading energy, leading a group, leading the conversation, leading the the whole thing. I think it's a really good thing for you to practice. Um, the warnings: you have to master marketing selling so group is different than one on one because one on one you're talking to a single person, it's an, and it's a back and forth conversation usually, whereas a masterclass it's more of the strong principles of marketing. Um, and what I mean by that is like hook story offer some of the things that we talked about what's the big promise that they're going to get from this masterclass? if you're going to sell a masterclass, I still recommend doing those five p's that we talked about and just like why would someone join for an hour with you why would someone pay to not even have a conversation just to listen to deliver information um and that's good for you to think through and the other thing is just because it's lower ticket or free does not mean people want it You have to sell what they get, the benefits, the meaning, just like you'd sell anything else. Like think about all the things that you don't go to just because it's free. It's like free is like the least interesting thing that you want to talk about. Make it really compelling and then say it's free or then say it's 10 bucks, right? Because a lot of people launch masterclasses in a lower ticket fashion, which is awesome. And it's not what people are going to buy. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, decide ahead of time if you're a coach or only teach. And the reason I said decide ahead of time is because if people ask you questions and you haven't decided whether you're going to answer questions or if you're going to refer to something else or to have them book a consult with you, there's a lot of directions you can go. And um, depending on what your purpose is for the masterclass, because if if I'm you, I'm using a masterclass as a way to build relationships and sell your one-on-one coaching. And so I would be really conscious of like, do I want people to get coaching now, or do I want them to be invited to a consultation where I can really coach them personally so that I can invite them to one-on-one? There's no right or wrong. I just want you to make that decision really powerfully. Um, The next thing that I wanted to offer is that that plugging in idea that I was telling you about, like people are plugged into your energy and plugged into your um, mind, they're going to plug in during the class and then plug out. The danger is that some people will fall in love with you and they'll want to ask you questions. And it be- can become kind of like we were talking about earlier, where they're just nonstop in your DMs, but there's no invitation for an offer. There's no clear setup of like, this is what I do with my paying clients. If you'd like to talk about how I can help you, please schedule a consultation because you don't want the endless questions after, especially after maybe you blow their mind and they're like loving your content. Okay, how does this apply to my relationship with my husband? Or how does this apply to my weight loss journey? Or how does this apply to my business, right? We want them to do the work and serve them as powerfully as we can within the boundaries of the masterclass, which has clear boundaries. It's a, it's a hour event or it's a two hour event. And if they want more help from you, it's time to schedule a consult. That's kind of the direction I would go. Also, if you guys have any questions, go ahead and put it in the chat. I forgot. I didn't say that. (laughs) Okay. Free content slash audience. I wanted to say this because there's, this is probably where boundaries show up a lot in, in that, like wanting to serve and wanting to build a relationship, but not wanting to overstep and like blow your own boundaries. And so One of the things that I love about free content is that it's a way for free people to be served by you, but it's also a free way for you to connect with your ideal clients. If you ever have drama about a platform, just check yourself. It is free. It's a way to find other humans. It is such a gift and such a miracle that we have access to this back in the day. I wasn't there (laughs) because I always have my business on social media but back in the day, like that was not available. You couldn't just reach someone in another country. I've worked with clients in India, Australia, the UK, and Canada, and I'm in America. And I think that is the coolest thing ever. That would have never been available to me. And so when people have issues with Instagram or or Facebook, And that's the reason that they leave. I'm sad. Now, if you want to leave powerfully because you want to protect your time or you don't want to be on the internet, you really want to be present in your life, whatever, that's fine as long as you like your reasons. But if you have drama about um, social media, check yourself. It's such a gift, it is such an opportunity. Um, I'm so grateful for it. One of the reasons I love Instagram is because I'm so grateful for it. I think about that all the time. What a cool way to connect with people. Um, The other thing that I think is really cool about social media is that people can build this relationship with you kind of one-sided, right? You might not know them, but they feel like they know you. I know I have lots of mentors like that. And by social media, I mean, I'm, I'm including things like podcasts and emails. Like, I feel like I have a relationship with my mentors and they don't know who I am. Your clients feel the same way about you. They're watching you every day show up and serve and talk about things and share valuable content And, you know, run your business and make offers and they're watching you live your life like that's so cool. You're giving them an opportunity to get to know you before they ever, ever pay you. It's so awesome. Some of the warnings, like I said, notice the people who DM you but aren't paying you. And I'm talking about the people who are in your DMs a lot. Not the people who are occasionally in your DMs asking you questions or being kind or saying thank you. I'm talking about the people who are getting coaching in the DMs for you from you for free and you haven't invited them to a consult. That's the thing I would clean up um, so that you can hold the mental and emotional boundary, but also like the time boundaries. How much time are you spending with people um, without any like invitation for the next step? It can deeply serve them to be invited into a consultation with you. The other thing I want you to think through is $0 activities versus high return activities. Um, And this is is a good distinguisher. Like we talked about, the people who are gonna pay you need to be invited. They need to be invited to a consultation. That's a high return activity. Being in the DMs, knowing that if it gets to that place in in the conversation where you're gonna invite them, that's a high value activity. It's worth your time to be in the DMs. If it's someone who's your high school friend that isn't gonna pay you, but you're just chatting back and forth, and you're on your business time, it's scheduled time, or, you know, it's focused time where you're trying to actively build your business. This isn't personal time. Cause I like, it's not like you don't have friends or, you know, stay connected with people you love, but I'm specifically talking about, okay, this hour is in my calendar. And it's like, this is business building time. This is client, like potential client interactions. Be mindful of who you're talking with. Not because we don't love them, not because we don't want them to say yes or serve them, But because as a business owner it is your responsibility to make money and to sign clients and so you have to kind of keep that awareness like is does this person either a need to be invited into a consultation or b draw a boundary where you say actually like i need to reserve this kind of conversation for my paying clients i appreciate your question so much i'm so glad you love my work but i can't respond like this anymore it's very uncomfortable (laughs) Um, the next thing that to think through is like the people pleasing versus the true service. And I'm going to refer to what I said at the beginning. Is this good for me first? Is this good for you? Is this good for us? Is this good for me to have this conversation? Do I feel good about myself? Like one of the other boundaries I want you to consider is like, who are you sharing your work with? Are they doubters? Do they think you're silly? I had a client um, a few years ago who her mother-in-law thought this industry was like so crazy (laughs) and it was like, people don't need coaches. They only need God. And that was a really hard thing for my, for my client to process. And she wanted to like work through that conversation, but every time she talked to her, she wouldn't sell. She would stop showing up at her business because it made her doubt herself so much. She needed to draw a boundary with herself. Like I don't talk about business with my mother-in-law and that's important too. I think that this free content audience includes your loved ones who are watching you because it's on especially if you're on social media. Like I my grandma and my aunt listen to my podcast which I think is hilarious, but like I don't like my my aunt thinks I build websites. That's what she thinks I do. So I just let her believe that because talking to her doesn't serve me still. I'm super conscious about who I talk to about what I do not because I'm I doubt what I do not because I, you know, don't believe in it, but because when I talk to people who don't get it, I don't leave I don't leave the conversation feeling super empowered. Do you have any thoughts on courses? Yeah. So thank you, Shirley, for asking that I would put that in group coaching. I would do a similar thought process. It's going to be a little bit different because I don't know if you're going to offer coaching with the group, with the course, but it's very similar, right? It's a, it's a leveraged offer. It saves you time. You're going to draw universal principles for people, um, in your, in your niche or the people that you want to serve in this course. And you're going to serve it, but you're going to sell it kind of like a masterclass with like, you have to master marketing. It's not this conversation. It's going to be, what's the big promise? What's the big takeaway? What are they going to get from this? Why is this the best offer for them? Or through those five Ps. Um, Do you have any specific questions on courses? Since I didn't have it in here. Um, I
1: guess kind of like, I'm wondering the difference between running a course live or just having everything because sometimes I feel like if it's just not everything I don't know how to sell it or like I feel like um, when I do it live as in like in a group container live there's a way that I can sell it there's a way how I can present it but then as a course I feel like I can't I don't really know how to market it or present it in a way that's like
0: helpful for my people, I guess? Yeah. So I've sold courses before and I will say like, it is kind of different because they don't get direct access to you. So you're really going to sell the big result that they want and that they can go through the steps on their own time. That's a huge perk to courses, right? They don't have to show up live. They can do it from the comfort of their home. That's an amazing feature. The benefit is they can work as fast or as slow through the content in order to apply it. What does that mean for them? i meet you exactly where you are. You're safe to grow. You're safe to do this work. Like that's huge for people. I know for me, courses were huge in the beginning, excuse me, in the beginning of my, of my business and in my life, like taking courses privately so that no one had to see me. I didn't have to talk to anyone. That's a huge perk to courses. And that would definitely have a place in your marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, the other things that I'm going to think through is like the process. So like some people get the idea of the course, but I would still explain the process. You're going to log in. You're going to see all the the modules. You can go through them in whatever order you want or whatever. But the big thing that people are going to buy is the promise. Like what is the the purpose of the course? There's a reason that things in business do so well, because it's very tangible. Facebook ads, mini course, (laughs) right? Um, I'm trying to think of other ads that I've just seen recently. But like even people like Tony Robbins, I'm going to use him as an example. He sells a ton of personal development courses as well. So does Brendan Burchard. Like there's lots of courses on personal development, but it's still something as tangible as you can. Um, that's what you want to sell the promise. And so, and I recommend doing a launch model for a course. So an open and a close. This is a little bit more advanced than what um, I was I had been talking about, I'm glad you brought it up. The same thing for a masterclass, there's an open and a close, right? Because the close is actually having, actually having masterclass or actually starting the group. We're going to talk more about the launch plan in uh, Make It Rain, which is next next month. Since today's more about boundaries, I think it's it's helpful, but also like I can't go as in depth as I'm going to go on and Make It Rain, which is like open, close, the mindset between and all of that. So definitely come to make it rain. I think that you'll get even more help. But I would just use the principles that we talked about. Marketing, selling the promise, talking about why the course matters, why it's great, why it's the perfect fit for them, um, and be sold on it so that you sell with passion too. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up. I didn't even, didn't even put course, courses in here. All right. Okay. The order matters. Like we we were talking about everything must be good for us first as the business owner, as the coach, as the human, then it has to be good for the next person. Usually this is going to come in like a one-to-one relationship is where your boundaries are going to be pushed. Right? So when you draw a boundary, is it good for me? Is it good for them? And then is it good for us? Not only just like you and them, but also my family, my audience, other paying clients. This is a really good question to ask. Like if this was, this was something that really helped me start drawing boundaries in my DMs is like, if my paying clients found out that I was having these conversations with people in my DMs with no boundaries, how would they feel about that? that? They're paying me, but this person isn't that helped me clean up my boundaries really fast. Um, the next thing is like, how does it impact my family? If a client I've had clients who are very active in my Voxer, which is fine except I have to know to tell them like, I'm getting off Voxer. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I had to draw boundaries um, or if they like one of my, I had a a client a few like last year or two years ago and she sent me like 12 minute Voxers, which is like, it's it's not bad. It's just not time efficient for us to use Voxer like that. And so I had to have a really uncomfortable conversation where it's like, I need you to make your Voxer shorter um, and tell me the concise version so that I can serve you. And so that Voxer is useful for us instead of like actually detracting from how I can serve you the best. And so it's a constant um, iteration. It's, it takes constant awareness of yourself. Like, is this actually good for my client to send me a 12 minute boxer? My answer was no, it was not good for her to be talking to me that much between our sessions. The best way I know how to help her is in coaching. I can answer questions. I can help make little shifts, but in the week, but for deep coaching, it, the best actually is on a Zoom conversation where we're actually talking in depth for an hour, right? And so I'd ask her to save that kind of conversation for the coaching. Did she like that conversation? No. She felt super uncomfortable and embarrassed. And that's what happens when we draw boundaries is that like not everyone's going to like it, especially if your clients haven't done their own boundary work. They're going to think you're mean. They're going to think that you don't care. And that's why we have to clean things up in our own mind when we draw a boundary, because it can deeply serve them to see, not just to like understand boundaries conceptually, but to see you draw a boundary with them. And why my clients love when I draw. like my best clients love my boundaries because it gives them permission to have those same boundaries and your best clients will feel the same. But especially if you're working with people who have never done this inner work, who have never done boundary work, they might have a lot of resistance prepare yourself for that, but also like what a gift you can give them to show them why boundaries matter and in real time demonstrate how to set a boundary. And so it's such a gift. I'm going to share some big thoughts for you. Access to your brain is a boundary, especially as a coach, your knowledge, your wisdom, your experience, all the courses you've taken, all the books you've read, access to that is a privilege that people can pay for. Not everyone is entitled to what you know. Now we can share from a deeply abundant place. And I believe in that. I share, I try to share very openly on with my boundaries, right? I try to share on my podcast, on my terms, with my content. And then people who pay me get direct access to my knowledge and what I know um, in, in real time. And we'll talk about in real time too. Honor your genius. I really believe in this. I see all of you guys as exceptional people do you see yourself as an exceptional person? Do you see yourself as with very valuable information that we don't want to, I'm trying to think like almost like sabotage what we know or sabotage the value of what we know by not honoring it and not protecting it. Not because we don't love people. We do love people. It's just knowing who we can deeply serve and in alignment with our boundaries and values. And so what like looks like for me is I give very freely in my content like on my podcast, with my, in my Instagram, if people ask me questions, I usually try to answer, but I'm not having an ongoing conversation or especially I'm not having an ongoing coaching relationship if they're not my paying client, because I know how valuable my brain is. And you should know how valuable your brain is. It is very valuable to people. And when you operate from that way and you see people in their power of able to say yes to working with you, it creates magic because you know, you you're bringing, amazingness and you know that they're amazing and they're ready for it, that's how people get amazing results. So people pay for access to your brain. What boundaries do you need to put in place for that? Next thing, access to your energy. And this is what I see as like proximity to you in real time is a true gift. And so for me, like that looks like Voxer. I give my private clients Voxer access. I don't just respond all the time because I'm trying to enjoy my life and be in alignment with what I teach, right? Which is holistic success, which is you don't have to sacrifice your family life for your business and that I can still love my life. So it's really important to me that I am loving my life and that I'm not glued to my phone all day. One, it doesn't serve my clients. Two, it doesn't serve like the way that I want them to learn to work with me. You don't owe anyone an immediate response. This is true for your friends too and your mom and your neighbor, you don't know anyone, an immediate response. I really learned this from a man named Robin Sharma. He talks about a tight bubble of focus. If you wanna be exceptional, you need time to think without anyone interrupting you. If you want to be exceptional, you need time to enjoy your life and truly rest from taking care of people. You're worth that. You are worth an amazing life if you are helping other people create an amazing life. So I want you to think about how you can carve out time on your terms to serve and respond because we want to serve and we want to respond, but it has to be on your terms because you're the one that has the energy and the resources and the knowledge to give. And if you're always giving, like one of the things I'm going to share is like, I want you to learn to give from overflow not because like not out of need not out of like scraping the barrel not with every you know your last breath you're giving it to someone else i want you to give from overflow because that's how we create abundance the next thing access to your intellectual property this would be related to courses surely but also just any content you put out believe like i believe this to my bones people who pay pay attention it's a service to offer your your intellectual property your your knowledge your coaching your yeah, your course, whatever it is for a price, because it serves them. I've gotten so much free value for sure. Guess what's changed my life the most is like what I've paid a lot of money for. I was more committed. I showed up. It mattered more. I put my money where my mouth is. I had skin in the game. And I know that's true for your clients and for you guys, right? When we put skin in the game, we show up different. So access to your information, access to what you put out, like It's important for you to charge. And if you do, like, it's not like we never offer free. I think it can be, it can deeply serve us to do free too. But it's important to see the value in your thought work, in your intellectual property and charge people for it. It serves you and it honors you, but it also allows people to get the most out of it. Okay, the next one, like I already talked about, clients don't need you. (laughs) And this is... I'm you can notice I'm saying it over and over again because it when this showed up for me so I know it's showing up for some of you just because I know I'm an energetic match for you guys I have a bleeding heart (laughs) and maybe you do too like I deeply love people so much that sometimes it hurts me if I'm not careful I've had to learn this lesson painfully because I people pleased and people pleasing is not serving and I also saw like what I, what I learned, I learned about accommodating people um, and accommodating isn't service either. Accommodating people is say, is a, in agreement with people being weak. When you accommodate your clients, what the message you're sending is, is that I actually don't believe you can do this. And that could look like lowering your prices that can look like being available for them to, for phone calls, staying extra on your calls. I used to do this. I was notorious for staying longer on my coaching calls because they were like in the middle of either crying or sharing something deeply personal. Even though our time was out, I stayed longer and it wasn't serving them. I was accommodating because I saw them as weak. They needed me. That was my belief. They needed me. And ho. I was exhausted. I also wasn't serving to my highest level because I know the people that are drawn to coaching are very powerful people. And not just business coaching for all of you guys, like your clients are geniuses too. That's why they wanna work with you. They get it. They get that you have information and an ability to see them and to call them out in a way that helps them rise. They want to be treated like a powerful person. Accommodating them is not treating them like a powerful person. And I say that with a lot of love in my heart for you, if this is, if this is triggering you, if you're like, oh, this is for me, this was me. Like I accommodated so many people because I wanted to help them, but I had the belief that they needed me. When I flip that, where I was like, no one needs me, they can do this. It's just, maybe I can help them do it faster. Or maybe I can help them do it in a way that helps them love their life, but they could do it. Not like they could, it's better with me, right? Like the quality of life on their way there is going to be better. That's what I bring to the table, not because they need me. They're a genius. And so I'm always evaluating myself. And you should too. Like My clients don't need me, but how can I serve them? How can I help them? How can I assist them um, in a way that helps them get to where they want to go and have the quality of life that they want? But I'm not accommodating them. They're not weak people. And this your coaching will go to another level when you make this shift. They're capable geniuses. So are you. And so it starts with seeing yourself that way, right? It's hard to see other people that way if you don't see yourself that way. So first you have to adopt the belief that you are a capable genius and you can help other people see that they are capable geniuses and you can remove accommodating because that's not helpful. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to keep going because this is very important. Don't accommodate. Accommodate, I'm going to read this because it's so powerful. Accommodate, accommodating. My grammar, you guys, Sorry. Accommodating is seeing people needing you to change in order for them to get the results they are looking for. This is not seeing people in their power. This is not honoring your own power. So like, I'm going to give you examples of how this can show up. A client asks you for a discount. A client asks for, I got burned on this. So I'm going to share like some some specific examples in a second. Um, Ask for longer time or a longer coaching container because they didn't get the results that they were looking for they can ask you for more support they can be in your voxer like we mentioned like i was getting 12 minute long boxers and if i accommodated her i would have just let her keep doing that right but that wouldn't have served her and it wouldn't have served me so i needed to draw a boundary i'm always asking is this serving or is this accommodating is this serving or is this people pleasing and you you know in your gut if it's service. And I highly recommend that you attune to that, that, you know, when you're serving and you know, when you're not boundaries, serve both parties and everyone, right. For me, for you, for us. (laughs) And so I, I think accommodating is what we're taught to be really honest. Um, as we're like little girls, like we're taught to be nice and to say yes. And then when you run a business, like you, this has to be cleaned up. Because it's not serving people. It's uncomfortable. It is super uncomfortable to have these kinds of conversations, especially if you've been working with people for a long time and this is coming up. That's how it showed up for me. It wasn't like in the first month. It was like in the sixth, seventh, eighth month where they're in my boxer all the time, right? Where we have a relationship. And I don't know how it's showing up for you, but I would pay attention to whatever's coming up in you, whatever emotions be processed, whatever work you need to do so that you can see people in their power and have powerful boundary conversations. No one's going to come and save you in these conversations. I so desperately wanted someone to like come and do it for me. <laughs> like, can someone have this conversation with this client? I mean, not really, because I knew no one could, but I did not want to be the one to make them upset but actually them being upset gave them a gift. Usually boundary conversations with our clients in particular is such a gift to them. Even if it's not a gift in that moment, it'll serve them for the course of their lifetime for them to see you claiming what's what, how to protect yourself and your time and your family and your energy and your intellectual property, all the things that we just talked about, but also as a way to have a healthy relationship where it's not codependent, where it's focused on service. It can be such a gift um, you have to take care of number one. And I got this phrase from my husband and I I think I've mentioned it before, but if you haven't heard this story, (laughs) I'm going to share it one more time. When I was dating Wesley, um, on like our first day, he told me he had type one diabetes and that was like a huge shock to me. And he would say these things like this, like, well, I have to take care of number one. And it was kind of like, I didn't really like it. I was like, but like, aren't I the most important person in your life? And that was like kind of like an old way of thinking about relationships, right? Like he should prioritize me. But what I, what I learned from him and how he lives his life is he literally has to take care of himself or he cannot be a good husband. He cannot be a good father. He cannot go to work, right? And so it's so important to take care of number one. And when I was little, I watched my mom put everyone else first. And maybe you have patterns of that in your life, whether it's loved ones or you, where you put everyone else first and then you're last on your list because that feels like the noble thing to do and i want to argue that it's not noble because of this this idea which is giving from overflow and i believe absolutely in giving from overflow but overflow can only come from drawing boundaries and taking care of yourself you can't k- take care of other people if you're not full it'll always deplete you right when i think about giving from overflow it's like i've taken my ca- care of myself so well i have amazing boundaries i took care of my body today i rested i slept good And if I didn't, I'm making time to sleep good, right? Like I, as a mom, like I could easily just like lose myself in all the things that I have to do. And even if you're not a mom, like this, this is a real conversation. Um, You have to be able to feel abundant when you're selling. You have to be able to feel energetic when you're on a consultation. You have to have ideas that are like coming out of you to create content, right? This idea of overflow will deeply serve you And it requires boundaries. Like There is no way way around boundaries, no matter how you look at it. Because boundaries are what's gonna give you the opportunity to fill your cup, to overflow. An abundance of energy comes from protecting your energy and growing it and nurturing it. An abundance of ideas means you've created white space where you're not serving anyone else except like you are spending time with you. Sleeping, same thing. I'm not going to go into like all the, the nitty gritty self-care. Like I, even the word self-care, like I know my mind goes, nah. like, I don't like that. I love the idea of giving from overflow because we almost have to like hijack our brain, right? If you're a giver, if you're a people pleaser, your, your instinct is to do what can I do for this person? How can I help this person feel good? How can I, you know, help this person get what they want in life? And so when you see this, when you really understand like the only way you can really serve them for the long term is if you are taken care of truly and that you can give from overflow, like the game changes. I don't run out of ideas. I don't run out of love for the game because I take care of myself outside of my business. This stuff happens when no one's watching. Giving from overflow is about what you do in private. And so a lot of, in the social media world, especially like I see a lot of people, you know, selfieing their workouts or whatever, but like, and that's, that's cool. I'm not like judging it, but I'm way more interested in what happens when no one's watching. When you wake up do you have energy? When you go to bed at night are you do you feel gratitude for your life? Are you in the miracle of this industry that you get to serve people around the world? That you get to meet an internet stranger and they get to spend a week with you every week they're in your Zoom room for a few months. That's such such a gift. And but we're not we don't even have access to that way of thinking if we're depleted on sleep, if we're not eating right, if we're not getting outside in the sunshine, like it seems basic, except are you doing it? Right, the things that are so easy to do are so easy not to do. And what I've learned is like the micro moments are what matters. That micro moment when you choose to like do some deep breathing instead of scrolling social media matters. That moment when you choose, like, just this Friday, and um, every about every month or so. I take like a few hours, like probably like four or five hours to myself. Like I don't take the kids. I'm not with Wesley. It's not a date night. It's an Amber day is what I call it. And I went to Barnes and Noble and I bought like 15 books and it was so fun. And I had so much resistance because there was things that need to be done in my house. There was things that I could have done for my business. There's always going to be this to-do list, but I take care of number one, I take care of me. And I want to offer that to you as an amazing way to set boundaries because when you give from overflow, you're not going to secretly resent your clients. You're not going to be frustrated by your results. You're going to feel like you have a lot to offer, which is a beautiful way to sell your coaching and to make relationships and do all the things that we've talked about in this program to build your business. It starts with feeling that overflow in your life. A lot of people get into coaching because of this feeling, right? You learn these tools, you get some breakthroughs. Maybe you go and get certified or you learn how to coach and you feel this like, I just want to help the world. That feeling fades if you don't do the little things to build yourself up and to build up this overflow, overflow of ideas, overflow of information, overflow of love, overflow of energy, all those things. And so I really, really believe in this principle. Um, not that I'm perfect at it. Cause for sure I'm not, I'm not. And there's seasons, but I also know like in general, this is what I come back to. I take care of me, not because I'm selfish, but because I know it's necessary to do what I want to do. And there's so much of Mariah said, and there's so much of a difference with a day like that when you're doing a, when you're doing aftercare already depleted than self care from a place to generate energy. Yeah, it's kind of like that idea of like catching up, right? Like I need to restore what I messed up on, or I need to like catch up on sleep or whatever. That energy is different than like, fo- like focusing on creation, like kind of like reacting versus creating. That's such a powerful principle in in life and business. It is a very different energy to that. So thank you for saying that, Mariah. It's so powerful to be a creator and not a reactor. The best time to do self-care is when you don't need it, right? That's how it's sustainable. Um, And even though it seems like a weird thing to talk about um, when we're talking about boundaries, like I really believe in this. And this comes from also the belief, like we talked about in the beginning, that people don't need you. You can take a walk. You can take a day off. You can take a five-hour break from Instagram. It's almost funny that we can even, I'm even saying that, but I bet that you struggle, like at least I've struggled with that in the past, that you can take a vacation, that you can not respond to a client question right away. People don't need you. They desire to work with you. And that's such an empowering place to sell from too, because it's not like, they're going to die if they don't hire you, but it's so exciting that when they say yes, right. It's not this like, like think about, I'm trying to go something that is really like a need to buy. That's not like super fun, like floss. I'll use floss as an example. Like the other day, my husband was like, Hey, I need floss. Like I'm not a floss. Will you get me some? And it felt like such a chore to go to the grocery store to get floss. I'm like, I would rather be doing something different. Right. Versus like an exciting, empowering purchase, which is available for people to buy coaching, your coaching, your offers, like when it's not a need, when it's a desire, when it's an empowered desire, stepping in the direction of their dream life, or at least their dream relationship or whatever the result you're offering is, it will give them energy if you have energy to give. And so I'm, I'm really, obviously really passionate about that conversation. I want to open it up. Was there any questions for anything that we talked about? We talked about, I'm just going to quickly go through what we talked about, not needing people to need you. We talked about the house, people coming into your house. How hard is it for people to get into your house? What time can they come to your house? <laughs> um, what are you available for? We talked about one-on-one coaching. We talked about group coaching and masterminds and master classes and, and courses. Thank you, Shirley, and free content and your audience. We talked about how to like how to have conversations about time and inviting them to a consult. I'm just kind of trying to spark something. Um, I want to open it up to answer any questions or offer coaching if you need it.
1: I need help. All right, let's chat. (laughs) Sorry, I always have something.
0: (laughs) No, that's good. That's exactly
1: why I have it. (laughs) Okay, and this hopefully won't be too messy, but okay, so I created a course. Yes, awesome. I'm excited about it and that is like a celebration but along the way of creating it I like changed my mind <laughs> of how I want what I want to do with it mm-hmm. basically I'm um, sorry I'm just gonna close my door for oh, the girls aren't so loud um okay so I initially created it with the intention of doing um like a group with it so it would be like we're gonna do the course along together, mm-hmm. um, but I built it on Teachable. I don't have a website, and um, after and now I'm like, like nobody has to do it alongside each other. And I've I, I created a Facebook group to go with it, but now I'm like I don't I don't really feel the need to run it as a group, like to have people do it together. I just kind of want to sell the course and just have the private Facebook group there for for the same re- basically for the same support that I wanted it for with the group, like I would still just do like Facebook coaching you know like text coaching yep. and maybe I would do a group month, for- but I'm just kind of like I don't know, it's kind of like thrown a wrench in in my vision, and so I'm trying to figure <laughs> trying to figure that out well what is your vision um Okay. So I'm, what is my vision? I mean, my vision, oh, I guess the, why I created the course was, um, so it's a, it's an identity, like a self, a deep dive into the self-identity course. And it's, it's, it's question-based. Like I do one week of teaching and then the rest of it is question-based. And then I have like mini videos that go with each question to help you like, you know, just dig deep inside, like things that people don't, normally ask themselves anyway. Um, and I created it with like, the objective is like, when you know yourself, then everything in your life gets better. Like you improve your relationships, you improve everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And also, um, I also exposure to me, right. Yes. That's the other objective is like, see me and see my work and, if you want to go deeper and have more one-on-one with me, then of course, then there would be the private coaching opportunity. So I don't know if that answered your question or if I just went on another tangent. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my, my I one guess. question is, no, I love tangents. Tangents
0: are great. Um, my one question is how long do you see yourself selling this course? Is it something that you want to sell for like the next three years, the next six months?
1: Yeah. See, that's the part that I'm like, See, this is the part where I'm like, oh, I don't know, because like I said, initially I was just going to run it as one group, but I'm like, I really like it. And so, yeah, I want to sell it for longer. I just want it yeah. to be like ongoing and just available. And I mean, I'll tweak it and update it and stuff, but yeah, I just like it. Yeah. So.
0: So there's pros and cons to however you sell it. This might, you might get a lot more clarity and make it rain as well. Cause we're going to talk about more of like sales tactics for these kinds of things. But there's two mm-hmm. different ways to do to sell courses that I've seen and tried. And there's pros and cons to both. There's the open enrollment where people can join at any time. Except what happens is people delay joining, right? Open enrollment means that they could join next month and that might be fine. Or in, in three months, no pressure. Versus an open and closed cart where they have to yeah. make a decision because it won't be available in three months, maybe. There's no right or wrong. It's just, I'm kind of curious what your thought is. If there's no live coaching, How do you want to sell it?
1: What makes sense? Yeah, that's the question. (laughs) Um, I think what makes sense for me is to still kind of push it and sell it as we're going to do this together starting like March 7th was my original date, but I'm actually a week behind when I wanted to start Mm -hmm. like really pushing it. And so I might pick a different day, but that makes sense to me is to like Hey, we're going to do this together starting on this day. If you want to go ahead, that's fine. But the other thing that I thought of was like, um, just raising the price incrementally over time. Like if you want to get it at this rate, like right now it's, I'm charging $75, but I think I could charge more for it. I don't know. There's two powerful
0: marketing principles. And I, I don't love talking about them because I, they're made up right. Urgency and scarcity. I'm sure you've heard of those ideas. I don't like fear-based selling. I don't resonate with fear-based selling, except when it's real, right? If you really, if it really mm-hmm. is closing, that's not fake, right? Um, if you like your reasons and your results for closing the doors or the price is going up and you like your reasons for the price going up, that's a great way to market. Um, so what is same Say the price again that you said, what are you charging right now? Right now? I set it at 75. Okay. So yeah, how I see you marketing that? This isn't like coaching. This is just what I like. I'm thinking, like you can market it like, "Hey, get this. What is, what's the course called?" Um, Seek so and find you. Seek so you and find you. Seventy five dollars introductory price. The price is going to go up to one hundred and fifty dollars in two weeks. Get in now because this is what like if you know that this is for you, this is the best time. That would be a, a powerful marketing for the for the course. Um. When, mm-hmm. when you originally thought you g- were going to do it, you thought you were going to do life coaching. Have you announced that to anyone?
1: Like, is anyone expecting? No, one? not really. Like I've kind of, no, Okay, no, I haven't said that. I haven't really, I've like, I've announced that I've created a course, um, and you know, just kind of talked about it a little bit but then I was like oh I'm not really done I'm not really ready to watch it I hadn't really finished it one so of the I kind of quit talking about it
0: one of the things that I I take really seriously is like being impeccable with my words like if I said something like if I announced that I was going to have live coaching I would do a round of live coaching um but if, yeah. if no one's like anticipating it I would just sell it for the 75 dollars and let them know that the price is going up sell like a founder founding member or introductory something like that so that they know that this price isn't going to
1: come back okay okay yeah i mean i mean you mentioned i mean that was originally that was going to be part of when i first created it like part of it was going to be with the pre-sale you get like a deep dive coaching Then, like but anyone could also still just schedule a deep dive coaching like for a consultation yeah, but, yeah, but so.
0: if you can add it to your offer i think it just makes it a more powerful and compelling offer so i like that idea mm-hmm. especially if you're still if you're still trying to get one on clients it could be an amazing way you know to get some traction there
1: there's okay
0: no, i
1: would try it there's no, yeah. rules. there's no rules i know i'm just trying to like i'm just trying to conceptualize how it's going to work because it I don't love the platform that I put it on anymore. And so I'm like, I tried teaching, I, you yeah. know, it's not awesome, but it's free, yeah. so it's a good. But resource. I needed, yeah, I just needed something to put it on cause I don't have a website yet. And so yeah. I'm like, I've known did people, I just make problems for myself? Yeah, so I've also had <laughs> people that um, like, when
0: they're classes, like, they just okay, send okay. Google drive links. So in the beginning, especially if you're not talking, like if you're talking about five to 10 sales, I don't know how many people you're expecting. Um, But like when I was, let's see, newer, like I didn't have Kajabi. I love Kajabi now, but um, you can be scrappy. Mm -hmm. It can be like, you know, you get access to a Google Drive um, folder when they sign up, especially if you're hoping, really hoping that they just become one-on-one clients. You don't have to use Teachable. I just wanted to offer that there's lots of resources because when you're resourceful, that's what matters the most, not necessarily the resources, if that makes sense. Like you can sell this no matter what, I guess is what I know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That does make sense. And I kind of like that better because yeah, because teachable is taking like, right. Because I am doing the free version and they're taking a percent. I don't know. It seems like a big chunk and I would rather I just didn't even know how else to organize it. Yeah.
0: You can do a Google Drive folder. That's the only one. Or I also actually, that's a lie. I know someone who hosts everything on Facebook. Um,
1: do you have all the videos? Yeah, I don't to want to do Facebook because that gets really messy. If you make a comment or something, it gets all jumbled. Yeah. I Yeah, mo- most of them. There's six weeks. I have four weeks recorded okay. and I'm like, I've got time. Yeah. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, I think you'll
0: figure it out. When like I would just look at it as like you're learning and you're gonna be making money and that's what matters. (laughs) You're making money, you're learning. um, It's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like Mariah said, you can create guides. That's how my coach did it. Like it's organized in guides, so it stays. It's almost like organized like kajabi. Like it's in order. Um, that's a possibility too. I know people that I didn't
1: know you do that. Mm -hmm.
0: You can. I think in when you go into your member settings in the Facebook group, you can add guides to it. Or make it like a learning group i think is how you do that anyway you can definitely do that because i've done that before and you can organize it so that you can add documents to the video you can, it's it's pretty cool that's another option for you my coach the one i mentioned in this program her name's alpha femme or melanie and later mm-hmm. she only does she runs a i think she made 22 million dollars last year and she only does facebook She doesn't even have Kajabi (laughs) and I'm like, I love Kajabi, but it's just, it just goes to show you, it's not Kajabi. It's not the, it's not the details. It's who you're committed to being the delivery will, will make like, you'll figure it out along the way.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I just didn't even know that was an option because I've only seen like Facebook groups get all messed up and I would honestly, I'd rather do that. Yeah. And I, know, I mean, I could still te- keep the teachable thing up there. And if somebody just finds it and yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you should try out Facebook. I'm excited for you. Good luck. And I think make it rain. will be a really good um, supplement to the selling thing. So that get excited.
1: <laughs> okay. Can I ask you another question? Yeah. Okay. So this one's about my pricing um, for my one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. and I don't know if I already said this to you, but so I am raising my prices and I was going to go up to a thousand, which is double. Right. But I'm like, I kind of want to just go all the way to 2000. Did I already talk to you about this? No, nope. I don't remember. Okay. I was going to someone else. So I'm like, I kind of want to just go to 2000 and just be more where I want to be than like slowly incrementally getting up there. But I'm like, I, I'm having a lot of, brain drama about this i'm like i don't yeah there's not that big of a difference
0: between one thousand and two thousand dollars the difference is what you think about it yeah so you just need to make a powerful decision and like it (laughs) like like why you're doing it Mm -hmm. do you like your reasons for charging one thousand like your reasons for charging two thousand And like the secret is okay. like you can sell yourself on either of those prices and there's not not a morally right price that doesn't exist
1: yeah yeah I' I'm, I'm, yeah I' have just been I don't know I've been listening to you this, is what I've been doing <laughs>
0: yeah, this this is something that I think about all the time in the mind drama that you're going through on deciding your price people are not paying for coaching when you're confused people don't buy. So the quicker you can stop being confused, the more likely someone will opt into the container. Okay. Like I do not indulge in confusion. I make a decision and then I execute and then I evaluate how it went. That's how I test and tweak because I know if I sit in confusion, trying to make a decision, no one's buying and I'm not helping anyone. So I would literally like Sabrina, you can make a decision right now. Is it 1000 or 2000?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I already did and it's what 2000, is it? but it's
0: just been. So now you get to coach yourself this, um, on trauma. Your that's different than making a no, decision. Um, You've already made the decision. Now you get to watch your decision. brain. Yeah. You get to watch your brain say, that's crazy. Who are you? Charge that. All that stuff are just thoughts and you get to coach yourself on it and watch your brain. Okay. doesn't mean the price is wrong yeah but i would not stay in confusion yeah yeah i think it's like the
1: big promises part that i'm like oh i don't know what my big promises are i feel like i'm still playing in small promises my
0: guess my guess is it depends on who you're talking to so i'm gonna kind of reiterate what we talked about which is when you're still doing one-on-one consults the big promise is to the person in front of you what do they want and then when you can reflect that back to them, that's okay. The so it's like it's on the consult. Yeah, that's why you sell the console on your social media, so that you can make the bigger promise on mm-hmm. the actual consultation.
1: Okay. So I don't even have to know what that is until I'm on the call. I would have some ideas, like, you know, because I can do that. that. I can make big promises when I'm actually on calls. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like the. But you have I, to know the why they're get get on a call, up call tomorrow. Is yeah.
0: That that's the promise that you do need to know. Yeah. How so, would they get on a call with you?
1: You have to know mm-hmm. what they're wanting. Okay. Well, I know I know what this. Let me just cut out. What she thinks she wants. Did I? Um I don't know. Is it back? Yep, you're back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the console I have tomorrow is, um, she's a doctor's wife and she's just basically said she just followed her husband assa- around. She's been a training wife and she's gotten to a point where she just doesn't know who she is anymore. And she's had this idea in her head that, um, that he wouldn't stay, you know? And, and so I know like what she wants is to be able to find like her own self and her own identity and t- to feel like she's worthy of being her husband's wife. And I'm like, that's easy. That's my wife. <laughs> I get that. Like, I also have like a high achieving husband and, um, and I've done all the work to just, to know that I'm also valuable. So. Yeah. Sounds like you're a great coach for her. yeah, she would, she is like my ideal client avatar. And yeah. so that's kind of what the, why this got brought up. And like, Oh, like they do exist.
0: <laughs> they do exist. Like it's all Im- our imagination. Anyway, <laughs> might as well imagine the best people <laughs> we'll keep yeah. us posted, um, like, especially make it rain. We can chat more about your course. I don't know when you plan it. You said march 7th or something march 7th was the
1: original date that i chose but i like i said i'm a week behind in really announcing it okay so i don't know if i should push it back a week or still just go for it
0: That actually might serve you because of the work we're going to do and make it rain in march so just some food for thought (laughs) but it's up to you all right thanks sabrina um any other questions or coaching before
1: we go Alrighty. Okay. You
0: guys go have some battery conversations. If you need to take care of yourself <laughs> and go make some money inside the clients. Um, our final call, I'll be dropping some more bonuses as well. If you have been following along on bonuses, our final call will be on Wednesday at hold on. What time did I say? Wednesday at one o'clock and it'll be our final celebration call and I'm looking forward to celebrating and closing this program with you and then we're going to move into make it rain if you're in the coaching matrix in March so I'll talk to you guys soon go make some things happen bye